Hello, and welcome to Eyewitness Beauty, the podcast where we talk about the biggest stories in the beauty industry each week. I'm Annie Kriegbaum. And I'm Nick Axelrod-Welk. And today, we have a special bonus episode for you all with our friend Pia Baroncini, who used to go by Pia Arobio when I first met her. She was actually, remember that short-lived Bravo show, Kel on Earth, with Kelly Catrone? I do. Pia was not on that show, but she was Kelly's assistant back in the day in New York City. We were both living in New York. And I met her professionally when she was doing that work. And I was, I think, at Women's Wear Daily. And we've stayed in touch. And she subsequently moved back to LA. Now she has her own brand called LPA. She's the creative director and founder. And she also has a podcast called Everything is the Best. And we decided to do a little midsummer pod swap And you can actually find our episode on her podcast. She talks to everyone from chefs to doctors to mental health professionals to comedians about life and anything that interests her. And she's the best, as her podcast is aptly titled. And we were excited to chat with her about some things that she's going through in her personal life. We're all podcasters. We're all podcasters. It's the future. (laughs) My question for you, and what I thought we could talk about, because it's something that I'm kind of going through in a removed way, but you're going through is kind of preparing your body and mind for pregnancy. Yeah, I actually talked to a like fertility coach yesterday. That's how one recommended to me. And then she emailed me this morning. It was like, I think I'm too booked. Like, if we want to do this in January. And I was like, no, <laughs> like the last 24 hours, I felt such relief because I just had a, when I had a miscarriage, I had a horrible experience with my doctor. Like, so cold. I was like, I'm bleeding. I don't know what's going on. And they were like, well, we're closing in an hour. So if you want your blood drawn, you need to come now. And like, well, we're da- 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 da. and then. They were like, I called Monday and said I had a miscarriage over the weekend. They called me Tuesday to say my blood results came back and I was pregnant. Congratulations. It was just like so bad. And then I talked to this by accident, came in contact with an IVF doctor who is wonderful, but essentially was like, you're old and we need to do IVF right away. And I just have this gut feeling that I'd like to try to just do whatever I can to have a baby naturally first. So I'm going to do whatever I can to convince this woman to work with me. But essentially, she just really prepares your body. You know, she's like, as a woman, you have three microbiomes, like your mouth, your stomach, and your vagina. And I'm going to spend, you know, four. She was like, let's put a timeline on it. Let's do like six months. And, you know, you should always get a second opinion and uh, just do whatever you can to feel as if you really did whatever you can. And then IVF should be kind of like the last resort because it is for a woman not a fun or romantic process like it's kind of sad and I know that it's not and I know that I'm lucky to be able to have it but I don't want to find out I'm pregnant five days later and put like suppositories in my vagina every day and stab myself with estrogen I mean and I totally will and I'm thankful that it's a possibility but I'm I don't know I'm really like fucked up in the head about all this stuff I feel really lost. Do you feel like IVF is a less romantic process than trying to conceive naturally? Like I have friends who've tried to conceive naturally for years and like it 
put such a strain on a relationship because you're like having to like have this mechanical sex to like on the exact moment. Yeah, that was definitely a thing. Yeah. Like I would be like, I'm ovulating, dude. And he'd be like, I just took a shower. <laughs> <laughs> and I'd be like, we have to fuck right now. And then he's so Italian. He's like, this is not how love works. Like, you don't tell me when I have sex with you. And I was like, all right, but like, you want a baby more than I do. So that was the first couple of months. It was a little awkward. And then it turned into like, okay, what day are you ovulating? Okay, so we should start having sex this day. Okay, cool. And we'd get in bed. He'd be like, are you ready? And we'd be like, uh-huh. Like, it was so like mechanical but we ended up turning it into something it's not it hasn't like affected our relationship we're both sad that it's not happening easier for us and so what is a fertility coach like what are what does she do when she says like focusing on the three microbiomes like how does she how does she align each of those she told me that essentially even for like your mouth like that she would give me like an eight step process to like what I do in the morning. Like I think she wants me to do like oil pulling and a bunch. I was like, oh yeah, because like flossing is, and she was like, girl, <laughs> it's like way more than that. It's a lot. So she wanted, I mean, I'm in a good spot because I've seen so many doctors. So she was like, just give me all your paperwork and we'll just like make sure you're on all the right supplements. And she's really into like Ayurvedic medicine and food. So it essentially would be, kind of like what my morning routine is, what exercises I should be doing. It's like extreme mental and physical balance, which I need because right now I'm like, I wake up and I'm not working out and I'm sad and I drink at four, like on the dot. <laughs> and I'm not eating the best. So well, how when you said earlier, you had gotten feedback that you're too old. How old is too old? I'm I just turned 30 and this none of this stuff is even on my radar. I know. And that's what's confusing is because this is a business, you know, I'm 33. So if you get pregnant at 35, it's called a geriatric pregnancy. <laughs> and then this this fertility coach yesterday was like, I'm 32. I don't have a partner and I'm not planning on doing anything with my eggs anytime soon. It's very conflicting. You know, some people are huge advocates for you know, just aligning some things in your body, changing your diet, getting some acupuncture, doing it naturally. And everyone has some story that they like one girl keeps DMing me. She's like, you got to do the bean diet. Like some woman said, if you only eat beans. every, And I was like, that can't be right. No, <laughs> like, that can't be right. And beans make me so upset. <laughs> <laughs> it's like the cost benefit analysis is like <laughs> not in favor of a bean yeah, diet. I was like, I was like, no one's having sex with me to get pregnant if I'm only eating beans. So like it kind of, I mean, I have a friend who went to three or four doctors in LA about freezing her eggs and mm -hmm. one, and she's 35 and one of the doctors was like, you're too old. There's nothing we can do. Like, that's it. And she was like, of course, I want to be a member of the club that wouldn't have me as a member. So I wanted to like work with that fertility doctor I mean, who's basically like, I think what people don't necessarily realize is that a lot of fertility clinics are trying to keep their success rates really high because that's what they're kind of judged yes. on for new business. And so mm -hmm. they won't take, you know, or the, although they, they will strongly discourage IVF if they feel that there's like an impediment to success or if like there's an age issue or, you know, biological issue or something like that, they do, they rather sort of discourage you from even trying because they don't, they want to have like a 85% success rate or whatever, like their stats are. And everything is a business. So that's the frustrating part. 
And I think that's the extreme frustrating part about just like medicine in general in this country. Like other countries don't, like in France, you can just get IVF if you need it. So I think here you really have to be your own advocate and do a lot of research. And, you know, I feel settled in the idea that I will have embryos forever and that at any point I can you know, insert those em- or implant those embryos. I like that. So you're I going like to do, you're going it. to do egg freezing or embryo freezing. I'm go. I'm going to try for six months, regardless. I cannot do IVF in the mental and physical state I'm in right now. Cause even when I, I post something really personal on Instagram the other day and like four girls that I know messaged me privately and said, I've got, I'm doing this, like I froze my eggs or I'm doing IVF. I haven't been talking about it, but I did one egg retrieval, just normal thinking like, cool, no problem. And she's like, I got one egg. And then I did acupuncture, cut out coffee, sugar, went a little bit more plant-based, but like lots of protein and got 16 eggs. A lot of it's mindfulness. My doctor's very clear about that. Like you cannot come in here and do an egg retrieval if you're an emotional mess. If you're stressed or grieving anything, you will be a wreck. So I just need to put myself through you know, I need to get back into my routine of waking up and meditating and journaling and being like a content person. But it's obviously been a very extreme four months for the world. Has your beauty routine changed as you've have you tried to like clean your routine, so to speak? Everything's clean now. What was the most toxic thing that you were using? There's a toner from Beverly Hills Dermatology that I fucking love because I used to have really bad acne and it would just like like clear everything out, but it's like there's acetone in it. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> so I was like, oh, that's why this works. Acetone and asbestos. Yeah, it was like so bad. So now even like all my skincare stuff too is like the stuff I use for my acne, the IS Clinical Active Serum, it's all pregnancy safe. So I didn't want to have a routine right now that couldn't translate right into pregnancy because I didn't, you know, I feel like women get pregnant and they instantly are like, I'm fat, I'm bloated. I'm so I was like, I don't I don't want to break that routine and do what I know that makes me feel like my skin is going to stay in a good place and not have like weird breakouts and stuff. But the melasma is really, mal- I'm getting, mal- I had to go on birth control for the IVF and I'm getting horrible melasma. And I have a... um. My other doctor gave me a chemical peel that's here, but it's just it's chemicals. It's not good. But I was like, I think I'm going to use it anyway. Did, did your doctor say that you should cut back on using like certain ingredient or products with certain ingredients? Or is this just something that you've like felt that you wanted to do? They mentioned it in terms of food for the most part. But I see Dr. Lekos, who's a functional medicine doctor in Santa Monica, And a huge part of his practice and the same thing with this fertility coach I talked to is like getting EMFs out of your house. It's like it's bad. Like I have like under my bed is I have a extension cord and like all my shit is plugged in there. And that's I sleep on top of that. So he's like and I have for our security cameras in our house, I have these like little Google pods that like blast Internet through the house. It's like a lot of cleaning that stuff out. So when I saw Dr. Lekos, he said perfume, anything that has that says fragrance has got to go. So he's like, you need to get all cleaning products that are clean out of your house and makeup and skincare like right away. He's like, it's just full of endocrine blockers. It's not even worth it. But that like, you know, I love my Chanel makeup and I love my DR makeup and I like love looking at it and touching it and sitting in my vanity. Like So that was a huge transition for me. I have it all here. It's just in a different drawer. 
And how long have you been on a cleaner routine? Probably about six months. Do you feel different at all? No, because it's been a crazy four months. So I feel like we've all been, I don't know what everyone's like normal is anymore, but my skin feels less clogged. Oh, interesting. For sure. When you switch to these more natural products, what was the biggest trade-off? Like, what are you most bummed about? I'm not getting the coverage that I want from a concealer. And I've noticed the mascaras, although they're really good. Oh, that's another thing I stopped using was Grande. That's the product I thought you were going to (laughs) say. That's what it was. Man, my eyelashes. You probably moved so many units of Grande Lash over the years. <laughs> I know. I get messaging them being like, can I get a deal here? <laughs> like, or, And they're like, we'll send you one free. And I was like, I know I'm making you so much money. My eyelashes were touching my eyebrows. <laughs> they were so long. But it was also burning my flesh. <laughs> it was like so bad. So now I use like Vega Lash, but you know, whatever. I have also noticed that the mascaras... Like when I use a non-clean mascara, I like to curl my eyelashes after I put mascara on and they would just be like like perfectly up. But the natural ones are a little bit more like sticky. They're, it doesn't, doesn't have like the crispiness, which is also like it's next to my eyeball. So I should definitely make sure that that stuff is clean. I was reading on the True Botanicals website. They have like a big pregnancy safe section on the website. And I didn't really realize this, but like basically... Beauty products have never been tested on pregnant women and babies because who would sign up to like be a test? Yeah, you, you can't. You can't so, test anything. On so there's no women. guidance. There's no definitive guidance about you know what women and women who are expecting or women who want to get pregnant or like are breastfeeding can and should use. So like it's really up to it's really like up to your own discretion, which is kind of crazy. I talk about this with Amanda Bacon all the time because she's just a goddamn goddess. The founder and of I'm Moon always Juice. like, yeah. And I'm always like, can I take because I love her supplements. I'm like, you know, all my girlfriends like, can I take this when I'm breastfeeding? Can I take this when I'm pregnant? And Amanda's kind of like, listen, you can't test anything on anyone, but like I did and my baby's perfect. I think the most important thing is to just be like calm and like just feel yummy all the time and not be a crazy person about everything because you're really sending that energy to the baby. Yeah, I mean, we like so when we were trying to figure out, you know, you you create like a agreement, like a big contract with a surrogate when you like work with a surrogate and you can I asked the social worker who we spoke to before we signed up with the surrogate, like, what's the craziest thing that a family, they're called intended parents. So like, what are the, what's the craziest thing that intended parents have ever like put in a contract with a surrogate? And she said one time she saw intended parents put that the surrogate could only have bottled water, like only (laughs) drink bottled water. Because I guess they were scared of tap water. So What's really bizarre about the process is like you can kind of put as much in writing as you want, but ultimately you don't have control. But we were thinking like, well, what do we want to be able to, you know, have input on like organic food, you know, organic body products, like make sure she's not, you know, doing things that we think are, are potentially dangerous. And we ended up thinking like the most important thing is that she's not stressed out and that she like is having like a happy pregnancy. So like if we put all these restrictions on her, like the chances are she's going to be like more concerned about meeting these standards than she is about just like relaxing. 
Emily Oster is a really amazing author who writes about pregnancy. Her books are fabulous. She wrote, always like, um, she wrote Expecting Better and then Crib Sheets. Yeah. Expecting Better is awesome. It's just kind of like everything in moderation is fucking fine. You know? She fully is like, have a little bit of wine. Like, <laughs> I mean, it's crazy, too, because... Like when I think about all these things that make me paranoid and then my husband is like, my mother had six children. Like she was like breastfeeding and driving and had like <laughs> five kids in the back. And like my dad smoked cigarettes in the house all day long and we're all fine. Like everything's fine. Like when his family came here for the wedding, his sister was like asked for bleach because like she bleaches the bathroom every morning before her husband gets out of bed. So he goes into a clean bathroom it was so next level. And I was like, oh, we don't have bleach. <laughs> and she was like, get cut so fast. <laughs> like, and she like looked at that and she's like, and I started doing this. She's like, we've been using bleach since the dawn of time. My babies are fine. Like, tell your wife to chill out. Go get me bleach. <laughs> I mean, I, I was like talking to like to a group of my parents' friends about reading to your kids because like the whole, you know, like there's a whole train of thought that you should be like reading but from before they can even comprehend words like you know, you should be reading yeah. books and like, it, it's this pressure that you, I would imagine begin to feel like you need to be like educating them about art and like science and literature. Um, mm. and I went around the table to my parents' friends and asked them if they were read to as little kids and they were all like, no, no. Well, how would they, <laughs> they remember? I bet that they would. <laughs> yeah, true. I feel like now you just put on a podcast. <laughs> Set it and forget right? it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> How far along is your surrogate? She is six weeks and three days. Man. Yeah. So it's, I mean, it's bizarre. The surrogacy process is bizarre in general. And it's even, it's made more bizarre by, you know, COVID and the fact that we won't be able to like go to any appointments with her. So, you know, there's a disconnect in having a baby via a surrogate where you're not like experiencing what pregnancy is. And then there's like the additional you know, mental divide of like having someone across the country who you also aren't going to be able to be in really close contact with for the next, you know, eight months. So weird. It's weird, but so cool. It's cool. And well, like we're, thank we're God so for lucky. FaceTime. Yeah. I mean, thank God for FaceTime. You know, she, thank God for like high def camera phones, because like even during the transfer of the embryo, like we have like video of it and it'll just be so interesting for our kid and kids to like be able to see sort of like their genesis. Isn't it crazy? You just see that little dot. Yeah. It's like a little like dot, like go they, into the uterus yeah, and then it's done and then they can walk, uh, and don't need to do bed rest anymore. Like it's a, it's a bizarre process. And I, I was trying actually the other day to like figure out how I could feel more like in touch with the process of pregnancy, given that she's across the country and I'm not, or my husband's not carrying the baby. And I tried to join a Facebook group of, uh, it was called March, 2021 mamas. And it was a Facebook group that was like an offshoot of the, what to expect apps community group. So it's like one of those uh -huh. pregnancy trackers that where they say like your baby's the size of like a P. So like I joined the Facebook group and I wrote a post that was like, hi, like I'm Nick and my husband and I are expecting our first baby via surrogate in March of 2021, like, I'm excited to be here. Please let me know if anyone feels uncomfortable. 
you know, with me being here. And then I immediately I got like all these messages saying like, congratulations, that's so exciting. And then I got a message from the moderator being like, there are some women here who don't feel comfortable with you in the group. And I got kicked out of the group. <laughs> like I was, I was all of a sudden not in the Facebook group anymore. My theory is that it was like a lot of women that have never discussed their bodies with anyone before. Totally. And it's, and it's supposed to be a safe place for, and like, it's a lot of like blood and guts and mucus and things that, you know, are people don't. I'm horrified. I'm fucking horrified. I kind of get it, but I also like, there's not, it's, you know, I guess I'm in a very small minority of like gay men who are having babies via surrogacy, but you know, like there's not really a resource where I can like learn, like it was kind of like a way for me to be close to the sur- to our surrogate in a way, like to understand what she's going through. It was, of course. Yeah. So I don't know. There has to be some sort of forum for men having babies, don't you think? There, there's an organization actually called Men Having Babies, um, which like can, <laughs> will, you can like apply, <laughs> you can like apply through this company or this organization, Men Having Babies, for like different grants that will like help cover certain costs of the surrogacy process. But mm. there's not really like an active forum for men having babies. Oh, things seems like you should just start one. I know. And there's also not like a good like book that you can read about like surrogacy. Hello. Disrupt the market. I know. I just need to have the time to write a book. I mean, I have the time. <laughs> <laughs> I just don't have the motivation. So you read, you read Emily Oster expecting better. Have any other books or any other resources made like a big difference to you in, in this process of getting ready? No, because I read her book and that like we when I found out I was pregnant, we went. This is so cute. We went to Romans and like what's Romans in the Romans is the most beautiful bookstore in Pasadena. And they have like a wine bar and a coffee shop. It's beautiful because everything else fucking there's no Barnes and Noble. Everything else closed. And we like sat in the children's book section for like an hour and he looked so cute. He was just sitting on the floor and I was like, why don't you pick out books that, you know, appeal to you? And obviously English is a second language. So he got like really insecure and started getting really frustrated. And I was like, okay, well, why don't you just get books that like appeal to you and I'll get books that appeal to me. And then we can like kind of see what, and obviously I had a couple of friends like recommend some things, but you know, we really go back and forth between we should be very like well-read you know, like I have a girlfriend, Hillary, who has a baby named Bobby. He's my godson. And I I can't remember. It was like at four months, he started having like a really intense, like it was like his witching hour would come at like five and he would be hysterical and he'd be crying. And they were got like, God, what the fuck? Like this, we're doing all the things. Like we don't know what's going on. And then Keith, her husband was like, opened up one of his books and he was like, oh, like this is totally normal for this actual month. Like this is like some whatever is developing and it makes them, and you know, they just had this like instant relief. And so part of me wants to have that knowledge so I don't feel nervous. I have like confidence. And then the other half of me is just going off what my husband says, which is just like, you're a woman, you have instincts, you're really good with the animals in our house. Like your mom is here with us. Like we're going to be fine. But I, I, you know, I'm the only one of my close friends that doesn't have a child. They all at least have one, if not two or three. And everything everyone's doing is very different. And all the kids are very different. And I think we've just learned watching everyone that it kind of doesn't, it's just whatever works for you and your family. You know, it is funny to see like our peers having kids and seeing different parenting styles and how much they affect 
the kids that they raise. Not not for better or for worse, but just like completely differently. I think ultimately kids are going to be who they're going to be. Like, I mean, obviously nature versus nurture is always like a a big discussion, right? But I think ultimately your kid's predisposed to be kind of who it's going to be. So I think when that when it comes to being crazy about like what schools are going to go to or this or that, I think you just kind of have to let a lot of that go and just, you know, ride the wave. Every kid's so different. Every kid is so different. You have to celebrate creativity and individuality. I, I just keep saying to Davide, we just, the only thing that we're so aligned with is just allowing them to be like interested in interesting people. Like I want to take them to museums all the time. I want to put them on skateboards. I want them to ski. I want them to play tennis. I want them to be music. Like I just want to, I want to expose them to everything. So they feel like they have a thing. I didn't have a thing and it like killed me. I always felt like I didn't, I had no thing. I didn't play sports. I didn't have a musical instrument that, you know, I just felt so lost. So that's just from my childhood, the one thing that I know I want my kids to have. But you also like can't force it. Like my parents like would take me skiing and I would like hang out in the lodge. I had a great time in the lodge, but like, I was like, I'd rather, (laughs) I don't really want to ski. I'd rather just like, yeah, I don't, I'm not going to for, I don't, I don't ever want to force them to do anything, but I just want to be like, now we're in this environment. Like, do you like that? Cool. No. Okay, great. But I do like, I quit everything and I wish my mom had like forced me to stay in tennis and I wish she'd forced me to stay in my guitar lessons. I would be a great tennis player and I could like rip out a guitar and play a song right now. (laughs) So you're going to work with this pregnancy coach. Is she going to find time for you? Yeah. I'm going to make her, I'm going to make her work with me and then I'm just going to spend the next six months trying to become like the best version of myself possible. That's a lot of pressure. See what happens. I think it's not. I think giving myself six months, I'm still, I think I'm still like grieving. Like she was like stress and grief are the biggest, you know, causes the biggest harm to fertility. And I think I'm still like grieving my father and Davide is definitely still grieving his mom. And we have been nothing but stress. We're just finally seeing the light at the end of the tunnel right now. So we're slowly entering a more positive headspace. And I think we were really trying to like force myself to get pregnant at a time that was like very stressful. He didn't have a job and just a lot. So I think allowing myself to just say, you know what, I'm going to spend the next six months just being my best self is a privilege and I'm thankful for it. We're going to check in with you when you're three months in to like understand like what probiotics you're taking, what um, like jade rollers you're using and like <laughs> everything else. That, is she, does she have like professional credentials or is she just, has she just fallen into pregnancy coaching or fertility coaching? I think she just fell into fertility coaching, but I think she was like a nurse before and she's a doula. You know what else she does that's so cool is she'll do like a fourth trimester thing where she'll go into your house and like cook food for you and make you bone broth and like really help you. Her, what she's saying to me is correct. Like if you're in a good place mentally and physically, you're just, you have a leg up going into into your pregnancy. Your body's going to work better. You feel better. You're mentally more prepared. And then hopefully when you give birth, it's not, you're in a better headspace. Fourth trimester to clarify is when the baby is out of the body. They're living yes. on their own. They're living on their it's own. It's like that first month, right? Or like first it's couple like the months? First like three months when it's just like a shit show of like, what the fuck am I doing? And they're and still like, like a blob. Like they're, 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 they're not fully cooked. Full blob. They don't really talk <laughs> about that, that like for the first three months, like they're still basically in the womb. 
Yeah. But just like not. And so that's why a lot of my, it's so again, going back to being so interesting, like some of my friends have like a snoo next to their bed. And like one of my, I've heard a lot of controversy about the snoo. Some people are like pro snoo. Some people are anti snoo. It's this basically it's a robot. Annie, you're like, what the fuck is this? So the snoo is this robot that rocks your baby. So if your baby like moves during the night, it like starts rocking. So it like on the downside, like the baby doesn't necessarily learn how to self soothe or like will get used to the rocking. And so like, you'll always have to rock the baby or else they'll cry on the plus side. You can fucking sleep because it like rocks your baby for you and it it can like sense motion and all this stuff. Yeah. When I first heard about it, me being on this like hippie trip, I was like, that thing has Bluetooth. Like, like I'm not, I just like freaked out. And then I was like, damn, that thing's smart. Well, first of all, most kids I know, (laughs) most kids I know, like I have a friend who's like, you can't rock him like that. Like he likes this motion. And it's like a, and I was like, what? Like you're, it's that fucking specific. So yeah, like my girlfriend, my best friend just gave birth to a little boy named August and they rented a snoo and she's stoked and she feeds the baby and puts him in there and he's doing fabulously. He's sleeping. She's waking up once a night right now. The kid's two months old. So I've some people who do that and that's working brilliantly. And and then I have another friend who is like, I'm not having my baby in my room at all. That baby needs to be in another room and I'm having a C-section and it's really important for my whole family that I'm recovering well. I mean, everyone is just, everything is just so nuanced. And I'm like, great. Those are all great. Whatever's working for everyone is great. I was a baby in this room. My mom had a crib in the closet because the other rooms are downstairs and she didn't want me that far because mostly it's a pain in the ass to get up, you know, I'm like, and that'll be what we do. And then once the baby's in its room, we're going to have like very clear rules. I like the way that I was raised. Like I wasn't allowed in my parents' room. There was, it was very At sacred. All? No, I was allowed when I was invited, but I couldn't just like walk into their room. If the door was closed, I better be bleeding to open that door. <laughs> <laughs> Like it had to be bad. That's amazing. Yeah, it gave I allowed my parents to have like a relationship, and my husband it, out of nowhere one day when we first got together, he said, "You know, when we have kids, our relationship always has to come first. And I was like, "Thank you for saying that," because I do feel like people get obsessed with the baby and then they forget that there's a, a partner there too. I was talking to some people last night who were saying that every six months you should try to like, even if it's just going to like a motel like in LA or like a hotel, just like get away for one night and like have a nice meal with your significant other and like Mm -hmm. not be stressed about waking up to the baby. And like you need to do it every six months for like the next 18 years to like prioritize your relationship. My parents had like every Friday morning when they dropped me off at school, my dad didn't work on Fridays. Like that was their day. They went to the same brunch, didn't get out of bed until noon. Like they had a whole schedule. Friday nights, they always had dinner parties. They always had a babysitter or they would go to dinner. They were very connected as a couple. And I think that being a child of two parents who were deeply in love was really powerful for me. Made me feel very secure. And I feel like a snoo also makes you feel secure. (laughs) That's like what, like, because it's all about security. Like, what are all the different kinds of attachment? It's like insecure attachment, secure. There's all different, like, attachment styles in social psych or, like, early childhood development and psychology of like 
you know, the way that you like comfort a baby matters. And so I think that's why people are like kind of anti snoo, but in a way, like in a way also growing up with technology is a good thing because it prepares you for the real world, which is a lot of technology. Yeah, absolutely. And seeking I think a little comfort combo of everything is great. Like my girlfriend who has this snoo puts him in there. He's next to her all night. Then they, she does skin to skin every morning. She does skin to skin before he goes to bed at night. She does skin to skin in the morning. The baby's with them all day. They sit outside with him. Like, it's fine. Instead of them having to do this, put it in the snoo. I was set so anti. It. I was so, set it and forget it. So. <laughs> the snoo literally has an app where, like, you can, like, <laughs> like rock you the baby harder. You can connect Spotify and it can do podcasting, <laughs> snooing. Mark Maron's like yelling at it. It's <laughs> just like shaking. You want but even to, like, the, the nanit is even crazy. Like my girlfriend has a nanit and it's like ding What's a on nanit? Her, the nanit is the baby camera. And on her phone, it's like the baby has just moved. Like, hey mom, like I turned over 20 minutes ago. It says the temperature in the room, the humidity in the room. It's a whole thing. I've heard hackers can like break into those too. Exactly. They very much Which sounds- can they and what can they get? When they break in, they will talk to you. They'll threaten you. I'm going to steal your baby. They'll just like fuck with you. Yeah. What? Yes. It's like this horrifying, weird internet underbelly like trend. No. Yeah. Google it. They'll literally like hack into your surveillance for the baby and like start talking to the baby. Yeah. It's horrible. (sighs) The world is a scary place. I mean, there's a negative to everything. True. And we should look on the bright side of hackers. (laughs) Yeah, they've been doing a lot of good lately. Well, on that note, we'd like to thank all the hackers. And I want to thank Pia Baroncini for doing this pod swap. If you haven't checked out her podcast, Everything is the Best, you should. As you can tell, she's funny and smart and her interviews are always that. So remember to tune in on Friday when we have a full episode of Eyewitness Beauty with top stories and product reviews, and also make sure to rate us on Apple Podcasts, give us as many stars as you feel we deserve, and what else should they do? You can email us at hi at eyewitnessbeauty.com. We want to answer your questions. We want to talk to you. Eyewitness Beauty is produced by Jessamyn Molly of Seaplane Armada, our Cover art was designed by Simon Abronowitz, and our theme music was created by Danny Prezant. So everybody, we hope you stay safe and that you wear masks and that you tune in on Friday. To all the babies that are listening, have sweet dreams. Nighty night.